The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, Call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE. Or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. One of the most surreal scenes we've ever seen in American news. Trashing your former employer. Why you should never do it. And finally, one of the greatest TV commercials of all time. All that's coming up, and I'm right. It appears many people in this country have gotten used to something. And you know what? Maybe we should give them an excuse because when nothing ever changes, you assume nothing's going to change. And the people I'm talking about in America are leftists. The leftists who have won America's culture war. Remember, 
We're honest on this show. It's not a time to be down in the dumps, but let's be honest about where we are. We're not losing the culture war in America. That culture war is lost, period. We are the losers. We lost it. Now it's time to figure out how to start slowly getting a little of it back. We are not on equal footing. We have lost every major American institution to the leftists. Education, entertainment, the corporate world, all of it. They own it all. And as such, leftists wake up every single day 100% safe in the knowledge that there will be virtually zero pushback from the corporate world, from the educational world, from most of the media world, on the things they believe, on the garbage they push. Which is funny when you think about it, because a leftist, to be one, is to be miserable. To think or at least claim you're a victim of something, a victim of this, a victim of that, my life is oppressed, America sucks. When in actuality, what you believe has the formal stamp of approval for most of America. One of the two political parties, I already talked about media, education, all that. Even the GOP, the one who's supposedly against you, kind of has to give it. Well, I mean, it's okay that you think that. I only think that a little. Life is good. And as such, you haven't seen, if you're a leftist, you haven't seen a major pushback by any American institution in a long, long time. You, when's the last time you saw an American corporation, a big one, stand up and tell the left publicly, screw you, this is what I believe? When's the last time you saw a major Hollywood star stand up and say, screw you? You can't find it. You can't find it. Where are these ultra-conservative college professors pushing back on this? Well, if they even exist, they're hiding under their bed somewhere because nobody wants to make waves. Nobody wants the leftist bully mob on top of them. So if you're a leftist, you get to, well, life's all right. That's the way it is, right? We get to rapidly mob and cancel anybody we want. We get to get people fired. We get to send goon squads to their homes. We get to send death threats. And nobody ever makes us pay for these problems. New York City, they don't even hold you on bail if you're a criminal. Unless, of course, you're not wearing a mask. That's the good life. If you're a leftist, you've got it. You've won. They don't realize they're in, they're in, they should be in enjoying a victory. But instead, because, like I said, it's a religion of domination and misery, they can't. That's why they're pushing and pushing and pushing. Until last night in Atlanta. You see, last night in Atlanta, we saw something... I've never seen before in my lifetime. Has it existed before? Probably. Probably somewhere. Probably somewhere in America. But I've never seen this. I've never seen a major political or a major institution of any kind push back hard and make the left eat their choices. Make the left actually suffer the consequences of their choices. And we saw that take place in Atlanta last night. Just to do a quick recap, I'm not going to show you the video again. They pulled over a guy who was so drunk he was passed out in the Wendy's drive-thru. This isn't a guy who pulled off in the local truck stop to catch some Z's because he had one too many. He went for a quick frosty in the middle of the night, passed out. The man's out on parole with a horrifically violent past. Chooses to fight the cops when they're putting handcuffs on him steals one of their tasers in the scuffle, turns around, shoots it at the cop. The cops shoot him. Atlanta decides it's murder? Wait, what? It's insane. Decide it's death penalty murder. 
The cop who did the shooting is facing 11 felony counts, including the death penalty. Finally, by the grace of God, we found out there is a line that, that even the leftist insane people cannot cross because last night, all across Atlanta, in more than one zone, the cops didn't show up for work. And I mean, did not show up for work. Oh, don't get me wrong. They did the smart thing. You can't call and say, I'm not showing up because I'm protesting because that'll, of course, get you fired. The cops went, <coughs> oh, man, get some sick. I won't be in tonight. One zone, zone six. They had the police scanners checking out zone six all night. Dead silent. I've been told at one point in time there were 120 calls pending. Dead silent. Cops called out. They started calling cops from other zones to come visit the zones where the cops didn't show up for work. And the other, the other zones said, nah, unless there's an officer down, I, I don't think I'll be joining you. Thanks. You know what? <coughs> think I'm sick too. That is powerful. I hope they do it again tonight. I hope nobody shows up tonight. I hope nobody shows up tomorrow. I hope nobody shows up in New York City the next night. I hope this starts to sweep the nation. And it's not that I hope people are stripped of police protection. One, I hope people are made to pay for their anti-cop rhetoric. And two, I hope this display of guts actually is contagious as I hope it can be. You see, all we've been hungering for now, for let's be honest, it's more than just all this cop stuff. For a few months, what this country has been hungering for is leadership. I don't care if that offends the politician you love the most. This country has been dying for somebody to stand up and strongly push back against this insanity. I'm not talking about a couple mean tweets. I'm talking about serious pushback. And if that has to come from the Atlanta Police Department, then so be it. Let us hope this catches on and people wake up and realize it's time to fight now. We've lost the culture war. We had better fight now before these nut jobs make sure we are dead and gone within 10 years. I love Atlanta's police, by the way, doing damage control last night. They, they put out this statement once everybody found out the cops weren't showing up to work. Earlier suggestions that multiple officers from each zone had walked off the job were inaccurate. The department is experiencing a higher than usual number of call-outs with the incoming shift. We have enough resources to maintain operations and remain able to respond to incidents. That is definitely what you call sugarcoating it. Now, I'm not criticizing the police department for that tweet either. What are they supposed to say? Yeah, we're in trouble here. Guess it's open season. Go rob and loot. You have to put out that message, but we all know what the deal is, don't we? The Atlanta mayor knows what the deal is. Across the country, morale is down with police departments, and I think ours is down tenfold. This has been a very tough few weeks in Atlanta, and with the tragedy of Mr. Brooks, and then on top of that, the excessive force uh, charges that were brought against the officers involved with the college students. Uh, it, it, there's a lot happening in our city and our police officers are receiving the brunt of it, quite frankly. Yeah, whose fault is that? Whose fault is that? You can't even in that interview say the tragedy of Mrs. Brooks, that's how you're going to present that? 
How about the tragedy of resisting arrest after you pass out in the Wendy's drive-thru when you're on parole for other felonies? Gosh, this country. The Atlanta mayor, though, says the cops have an obligation. Meanwhile, we have communities um, that we still need to protect, and, and it's my hope in the same way that I kept my word to our officers when it came to that historic pay raise, they'll keep their word to the people of Atlanta. Man, is that shallow. Don't forget, hey, we gave you extra money. Let me tell you something, Miss Mayor. I strap on a weapon and body armor every single day and wade through the muck of society every single day, and I end up having a violent confrontation with one, and the leadership of my city not only doesn't back me, tries to take me to the lethal injection bed, yeah, you can take your pay raise and shove it. Now, remember, it's Atlanta's DA who chose to pursue these absurd charges, which, of course, the cop's going to get found not guilty of, and that Atlanta will burn all over again. And this Atlanta DA doesn't think it's a big deal when you steal a cop's taser and shoot it at him. We've concluded at the time Mr. Brooks was shot that he did not pose an immediate threat of death or serious physical injury to the officer or officers. Uh, what this photograph illustrates is the point that Officer uh, Roth uh, at this point was firing a taser. Uh, and this is Mr. Brooks who was firing a taser as well. But I don't know if you can see it clearly, the prongs from the table the uh, taser were actually fired above Officer Ross' head. So it's not a problem because he shot at him and missed? And that's weird that shooting a taser at an officer, the taser is not considered a deadly weapon because I swear, just a couple weeks ago, hmm, I saw somebody on TV say this. And what we've done is to just in a shorthand method describe the charges against those officers. Uh, Lonnie Hood, who's charged with uh, aggravated assault of Messiah Young for the use of the taser. Uh, the aggravated assault of um, uh, Tenaya Pilgrim, also for the use of the taser. And also a simple battery for pulling Ms. Pilgrim out of the car onto the paved street. Uh, the second officer is Willie Sauls and charged with aggravated assault of uh, Ms. Pilgrim and this is for pointing a taser at Mrs. Uh, Pilgrim and uh, as many of you all know under Georgia law, a taser is considered as a deadly weapon under Georgia law. Man, I like what that guy had to say. You know what's crazy though? How much that guy looked like the guy in the video before. Must be twins or something. All of that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. Now, what have I been telling you about your money, about the stock market? I've been hammering this for weeks now. Have I not been telling you? You cannot have 40 million unemployed Americans and a stock market remain high. 40 million un-Americans means there's volatility out there, lots of it. 
So when I see a stock market high with 40 million unemployed Americans, I know this for a fact. That stock market is aiming for a correction and possibly a big one. And I have been telling you, buy precious metals. Buy from Birch Gold. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau for a reason, and they will help you financially backstop yourself against stocks which go like this and then go like this. Precious metals, they've been worth something forever. Go to birchgold.com slash jesse. That's B-I-R-C-H gold.com slash jesse. Come on now. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. We'll be back. I'm about to offer you some life advice before we get to the relevant story. And yes, I have this almost superhuman ability to just tell a random story and tie it in with the story today. It's, it's part of being such a huge, important celebrity TV person, basically a genius that I am. But allow me to give you some advice for life. It doesn't have to be tied to politics. At some point in time in this life, maybe you'll be a teenager working at some crappy fast food place. Maybe it'll be later on where you're in your career. At some point in your life, you are probably going to have a bad employer. Maybe the employer's really bad. Maybe you were bad for them. Maybe you just didn't mesh very well. Whatever the case may be, you're going to have an employer you hate. At some point, you're going to leave that job because nothing sucks the life out of you more than a job you hate. I highly encourage everybody to leave those every chance you get. When you leave that employer, it is so tempting in this day and age to want to vomit your feelings out there for the world. And it's so easy now, right? I mean, it's right here on your phone. Yes, yes, that's an actual Jesse Kelly case on the Jesse Kelly phone. But it's so easy. It's right here. Shoot, you can do it in the parking lot when you walk out the door. Walk in the boss's office. Screw you, I'm leaving. You get to the parking lot. Ooh, I bet I could send a tweet. Don't work for so-and-so. He's a jerk. Mm, that felt good. Allow me to offer you this bit of advice. Never, ever, 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 ever in a million years publicly badmouth your former employer. Ever. For any reason. One, be above that. Two, even if they deserve it, and they very well might deserve it, you're not remaining silent for the bad employer's sake. You are remaining, you are remaining silent for the next employer's sake. Or maybe the employer after that you don't know about yet. Or maybe the employer after that you don't know about yet. The last thing you want to do is show a potential employer of yours down the line that you are the type of disgruntled person who's going to publicly blast away at that company on your way out the door. It shows you are small, petty, immature, and unprofessional. Never, ever, ever do it. Nobody, no employer has ever looked at a potential employee who just got done blasting the last one and said to themselves, nice, that's what we're looking for in the next guy. It's never happened. Nobody's ever picked up the resume of, you know, they're looking at your resume and they're trying to decide whether or not to hire you. Well, I mean, look, we love his education. Obviously, the experience is there. The interview went well, but pff, I just, 
I don't see where he's ever trashed someone he used to work for. I don't think we can hire him. That has never happened in the history of mankind. If you have an axe to grind, go home, go to the shooting range, vent it out, hit the heavy bag, tell the wife you hate him, let her give you a pat on the back, you sip a butt heavy, go to sleep, and let it go. Which brings us to not just John Bolton. Obviously, former National Security Advisor John Bolton wrote this book. We'll get to that in a second. All these people who have been hired by the Trump White House, and they walk out of the Trump White House right into a book deal, and I'm stunned at that short-term thinking. Granted, a lot of these people on that book deal, they know the anti-Trump press will take some whatever crappy book they wrote with some little bombshell. There's always some bombshell mixed in the book. And the press will put them on every single TV show and launch the book up to number one in sales. So yeah, you get a short-term nice little paycheck after that. But let me ask you, John Bolton, he gets out. He writes this book. The book has, the, I mean, potentially damaging things to Trump and stuff nobody's really going to care about. What if a Republican gets elected again after Donald Trump? Maybe a Republican who even thinks highly of John Bolton. Maybe they agree on things. Do you think John Bolton ever gets that job again? Do you think John Bolton ever walks into another high-profile job like that again? Of course not. Why would he? Well, I'm not going to be the next one he writes a book about. (laughs) Screw that. Small, petty, immature, small-time thinking, short-term thinking. That's what happens when you walk away and do something like that. I'm not even going to address the stupid stuff in the book. It's, it's accusations like Trump being pro-China. What? Trump's the most anti-China president we've had in three or four decades. That's ridiculous. So I'm not even going to dwell on that. Trump, of course, blasted away. In terms of Bolton, he broke the law. I, he was a washed-up guy. I gave him a chance. Uh, he couldn't get Senate-confirmed, so I gave him a non-Senate-confirmed position where I could just put him there, see how he worked. And uh, I wasn't very enamored. He went into the Middle East. He was one of the uh, the big uh, guns for, let's go into Iraq. And that didn't work out too well, and I was against that a long time ago before I was ever even thinking about doing what I'm doing now. Uh, but he was one of the people who wanted to go into Iraq. When I asked him about it, I said, recently, I said, you know, about a month in, when he was about a month in, I said, what do you think? Do you think you made a mistake there? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I said, explain that one. So uh, the terrible, terrible uh, thing that he did. But he broke the law. Very simple. I mean, uh, as much as it's going to be broken, this is highly classified. That's the highest stage. It's highly classified information. But nobody's been tough like me. Nobody's been tough like me on China. We're taking in right now billions and billions of dollars from China. I gave a lot of it to the farmers because the farmers were targeted by China. Nobody's ever done that. All that's true. You can get mad at Trump all you want. Everything he just said right there is true. China hates Trump. China is dying for Joe Biden to win that election in November. And that alone shows you how you should vote. Trump, of course, of course, put out a tweet. You knew this was coming. Quote, wacko John Bolton's exceedingly tedious, according to the New York Times book, is made up of lies and fake stories. Said all good about me in print until the day I fired him. 
a disgruntled, boring fool who only wanted to go to war, never had a clue, was ostracized, and happily dumped. What a dope. <laughs> uh, by the way, I don't know if this is just me, but whenever I see the word ostracized, I feel like that's related to ostriches, and I don't understand it. Well, that's for another day. Joe Biden takes to Twitter and says this. If John Bolton's accounts are true, it's not only morally repugnant, these people in their college words, it's a violation of Donald Trump's sacred duty to the American people to protect America's interests and defend our values. Gosh, who talks like that? These people were tedious. Trump nailed it. All right, we've got more show for you, but we need to have a little conversation are you getting seven or eight hours of sleep every single night? Be honest. Don't lie. You know you're not. And you, I know what you do because I've been there. Well, I mean, I guess let's take a couple sleeping pills. No, you know what? I'll give it one more night and then I'll take a couple and sleep for 16 hours. That's really healthy. It's not, man. And stop ingesting things to sleep. Just stop with that. Your body has everything it needs to sleep naturally and ebb sleep what it does for you, it calms down your thoughts without you ingesting a single thing. Those racing thoughts that keep you awake, it calms those down and puts you asleep. Go buy an Ebb Sleep now. Go to tryebb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. You can try it risk-free for 60 nights. Use the promo code jesse at checkout. Get yourself 25 bucks off. Stop delaying. Go buy one. We'll be back. Well, as I told you all last week, I have lost my church over this whole thing. And I hate that. I think it sucks. And I really, really respect it when I see leaders in the church stand up and swim against the tide. I think it's an awesome thing. So that's why I'm thrilled to bring on my next guest, Pastor Daryl Scott. He's the co-founder of the New Spirit Revival Center in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, and co-founder and board member of the National Diversity Coalition for Trump. Pastor, why testify before the House the way you did and speak up for police the way you did when everybody in society is swimming the opposite direction and dumping on cops? I don't understand it. Isn't that the hard thing to do? Maybe for some people, but not for me. You know, my first pastor used to say any old dead fish can float with the current, but it takes a live fish <laughs> to buck up against it. And um, I don't know, it just, it, it's easy for me to be myself, and, and regardless of who I'm being myself in front of. And so I, you know, I just spoke the truth. I spoke the truth as I saw it. Pastor, I've seen, look, my pastor wasn't the only one who lost his daggone mind in this whole thing. This is, beyond anything else, that's been one of the things that saddened me about it. This has really infected a lot of the church that's out there all over the place. Now, I'm not even going to trash him by name, but a CEO of a major Christian company talking about how people need to prostrate themselves and kneel and beg forgiveness. And Pastor, I don't understand this world, especially from somebody who's a man of God. Aren't we all just the same in the eyes of God, just individuals? Yes, we are. And you know what I found out? And I found this out. I'm not going to say the hard way, but it was through difficulty all the way back to 2015. 
when you're a pastor of a church, it's easy to talk tough. And uh, you know from the church, we have certain vernacular and certain lingo and certain phrases that we use on a regular basis. And it's easy to talk tough when you're in that pulpit and you have a captive audience, you've got deacons, you've got elders, you've got ministers, you've got security, you've got everyone loving you and protecting you. You're the last word. Everyone's hanging on to your word. It's easy to talk about how much power and authority that you have. And, 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 but when you stand out there in that street and the secular media or the secular society is staring you down and, and your words are being microanalyzed, you find out how much power and authority and how much faith you really have. And I found out that a lot of my colleagues do not have the faith that they preach or they profess to have. They believe more in people and they fear people more than they fear God. It's sad, but it's true. You, it is true. And you brought up the media and I have for years had friends of mine say, and, and I would actually push back against them naively when I was younger. I had, For years, I had them say, you do not realize how it's not necessarily anti-Republican or anti-right, how anti-Christian the media and entertainment portions of our society are. And I see it fully laid out in front of me now, and boy, do I feel like an idiot. You're absolutely right, man. I mean, the media is anti-Christian, anti-Bible. And, you know, they'll disguise it uh, under, 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 in terms of morality, and they'll disguise it in, in, uh, under the guise of diversity, and they'll uh, uh, disguise it under the guise of acceptance. But they really try to denigrate those who endeavor to follow biblical principles, those who espouse the Bible as our final standard, our moral standard, um, as an objective standard that we have, and, uh, and as a standard of moral absolutes. They're really trying to undermine the authority of the Bible and actually turn this country into an atheistic society. And it's very, very sad. How long have you seen this going on? I mean, like, I, I feel like it's been my entire life. They have made gains and made gains and made gains and made gains when it comes to these things. And I try not to be too down about it. We're supposed to have hope. But I look around and I have to tell you, we seem like an atheist society to me now. Yeah, I mean, it's been going on for a generation now. Uh, evolutionism is taught in the schools. Um, we've indoctrinated society with that. And what evolution does, evolution takes away from the divinity and the deity of Jesus Christ. If evolution is true, then the Bible is a, is a liar. If evolution is true, then Jesus Christ is not God come in the flesh. He's actually the descendant of a, of a monkey uh, uh, eons ago. And so... It's all an effort by the enemy to undermine the authority of the word of God and to diminish the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And so we as Christians, we have to be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. And we have to stand against the wiles of the devil and, uh, and utilize the Bible and, and, and stand firm in our faith, earnestly contending for it and endeavoring to live for God in this godless society, no matter what. Why speak up for cops? during a time where everybody hates them, why specifically speak up for cops? I understand why you'd speak up for President Trump. Why speak up for cops? Well, you know, I, I'm not anti-police. Um, policemen are hinderers of lawlessness in our nation. They're basically the, the frontline infantry troops. You know what I'm saying? And so police are a very vital and very necessary component in society to enforce the laws of the land. And so their job is to protect and to serve. 
And I really believe because of the pressures of the job, because of the tension, because of the antagonism that exists in society, some people can't respond to that pressure the way others can. I said it in my closing argument uh, in Congress that I believe most bad cops started out as good cops, that no one in, went into the police force with bad intentions. No one joined the force saying, good, I'm a police officer, now I can beat up black people, and now I can kill black people, and now I can, I can oppress society. Now that I'm a police, I have a badge and a gun, and I'm able to oppress and intimidate and antagonize people. They didn't go into that <laughs> like that. Uh, it, 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 some people develop into that. And so I embrace police. I love police. I love the police force. And I really believe they are a vital, essential, necessary part of any society, much less the American society. So no, I'm not going to throw them away. They're the ones I'm going to call if somebody tries to do me harm, if they break into my house, if, if they steal my car, if they rob me, I'm calling the police and I call them expecting them to help me, not to harm me. Don't we oversimplify things when it comes to race? I, I just, I, I see it plain as day. You, you mentioned cops. Nobody becomes a bad cop. Can't there be a million bad cops who aren't racially motivated? Even that horrible scene we saw in Minneapolis, which there's really no defense of whatsoever, just because people saw a white cop and a black dude, I didn't see that as race right away. I assumed maybe something would come out after, but can't he just be a crappy cop? Maybe he, had a, maybe he was a bad cop with a bad day. Who knows what the case may be. I feel like people seek out racism more than it actually is infecting our police force. In some instances, I, I agree with you. In other instances, I can see that um, certain, in certain junk times, black people are treated more harshly than white people. They're given a little more respect. But in other cases, it's just a bad cop, like you said. He's going he's gonna to beat somebody in the head, whoever it is, black, white, red, yellow, or brown. And so it's situational. And you know one thing I, I realize? A lot of the racism that exists in the country today is more subjective than it is objective. I'll give you a case in point that caused me to think about this. I had a secretary before, and her and I uh, had a discussion, and she told me I hollered at her. And I told her, no, I haven't hollered at you. And she said, yes, you have hollered at me. You do holler at me. And I said, listen, if I had hollered at you, the wallpaper would be peeling off the walls. And, 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 and I said, but what I realized when I thought about it was, because she was insistent that I did, I was insistent that I didn't. And I said to myself, this is a subjective experience here. If she took a lie detector test and they asked her, did I holler at her? She would have said yes, and she would have passed the test. I could have taken the same test and they asked me, did I holler at her? And I would have said no, and I would have passed the test because it was a subjective experience. What I gave and what she received was not the same thing. And a lot of people oftentimes receive racism where racism wasn't given. They receive racism where racism wasn't intended. And so it's subjective a lot of times. And I think it's overly subjective now that, um, you know, it, it, let me tell you something. The white people in America, and the media is driving this. The left-wing media is fueling this. White people in America as a whole, as a collective, are not waking up in the morning saying, I hate all black people. Black people in America, as a collective, on a whole, aren't waking up in the morning every day saying, I hate all white people. This is media fueled, and it's left-wing media fueled and media-driven to fuel this racial divide to further uh, sinister and, and, and nefarious purposes that some have. And Pastor you know what? Darryl it's intensified Scott, thank you. now under the Trump administration. 
No doubt about it. Pastor, thank you so much for what you do. I appreciate you very much, sir. Thanks for having me, man. We got to do it again. Be good. We will. How about that? We haven't lost all the pastors. Love that guy. We'll be back. Well, we like to actually hear from entertainers every now and then because you may not like to hear this, but it is a fact they matter a lot. And it does matter that our entertainment industry has lost its freaking mind because especially young people, they look up to entertainers. They listen when entertainers talk. And we don't need to just leave the whole field alone. We need more people like Joy Villa, who's actually in that field, yet standing up for what she believes. She is a billboard, top billboard recording artist, and a member of the Trump 2017 advisory board. Joy, you've caught a little bit of heat in your industry for what you believe, no? A little bit. <laughs> That's right. Oh, I hate, hate, uh, hate, death threats, rape threats, anything you can, you know, throw at me. I've gotten simply for being a conservative out in Los Angeles. Why come out with it? Then I don't understand, Joy. You have all this talent. Everybody's seen it. You could have just shut your mouth. You don't even have to be a card-carrying leftist. You could have just shut your mouth and gone along. Why not just go along? Why speak up? You know, you're right. Actually, I was a card-carrying leftist. I mean, I was a, you know, liberal. I was an independent. I was liberal. I voted for Obama. I wanted, you know, equality. I was hashtag feminist, hashtag this, hashtag that. I thought I was doing the right thing. And, you know, I played the game until my values came out stronger than my desire to be liked which I talk about in my new book that's coming out very soon. I share my story. I'm actually finishing writing. The deadline is in a week. I'm writing it with right now, and it's going to be a how-to guide for someone to be a better, bolder, dare I say, sexier conservative. But I'll tell you, if I did come out and say, I don't support the president anymore, or, you know, I want to be on the left, or I want to take the same route as Madonna and Viola Davis and all of these incredible women that I actually love and look up to in the industry. But if I did what they do, I would be exalted. I would be heralded, heralded as a, um, you know, as, as queen of the industry. They would give me the bouquet of flowers and put the Miss America crown on my head. And they, I'd be on the cover of magazines because I do have the statistics to prove it. I have toured 35 countries, hit number one on the rock uh, charts. I'm an independent artist. And yet, you know, I don't get the kind of attention from the liberal mainstream media simply because I'm conservative and that makes people uncomfortable. But guess what? Being uncomfortable means I am following my goals, my dreams, and it's my path, my choice, and I am helping others. So for me, it is worth it despite the hate. What's the coolest country you visited that kind of surprised you? I mean, everybody knows, I went to Barbados and it turned out to be nice. But what's the coolest place you went to and maybe going there you thought this might suck and it turns out to be sweet? Well, I would say two places. One is Tokyo, Japan, which I was never, uh, you know, a Japanese fan. Like, I, I mean, I was like, cool, I love Japanese food, but I, you know, grew up with a lot of people like obsessed with Japanese culture until I went there. 
that place is so organized and the people are amazing, beautiful, very hardworking. I love Japan. They're actually very advanced, very successful. They keep their technology and their borders pretty well uh, organized. Like Japanese people are Japanese people and you can visit, but in order to assimilate into that country, you have to follow their rules. You can leave a wad of cash out on the table and go to the bathroom. And when you return and the restaurant, it will still be on that table. So that, 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 place is so safe and I was in the middle of Tokyo experiencing that and then the, my other favorite place in Southeast Asia is Bali uh, which is just a beautiful beautiful place and uh, that's for the nature and the generosity of, of the people out there in Indonesia one you're 100% right about Tokyo people if you've never been there it's awesome two I really wish I could have seen Joy Villa who's about six feet tall probably 6'3 with that afro walking through the streets of Tokyo. I bet you were a goddess to those people. Oh, yeah. I was regularly stopped. This was before I came out for Trump and became a you know worldwide celebrity controversial star that I am now. I was still well known, but more in the independent music circles and I'd done a few films, but people still stopped me and took pictures with me in Tokyo. They're like, Hawaii, oh, can I get a picture with you? Just because I stood out so much. And I loved it. All right. What's the name of this book? You might as well shamelessly plug it on the show. That's one. And two, why would you write a book? Because I have this thought. I mean, people have asked me to write a book because I'm so important and, and famous. People have asked me to write a book, and just thinking about it makes me want to vomit <laughs> to sit down and write that much. It's so hard, honestly, Jesse, writing a book. I started this book two years ago. You know, I've been out as a conservative, you know, I, and they told me I'd never work again. That's the thing. When I came out for the president, I came out pro-life. I came out as a conservative woman um, and an artist, first and foremost. They told me I, I'm never going to work again. I'm blacklisted from Hollywood. You can't be black and Latina and be conservative, vote Republican, all these things. And yet I've worked more in these last four years than I've worked almost in my full career. And it's amazing. I've done a feature film, which is going to come out soon. It's a romantic comedy. I play the lead. I have an Amazon TV series I've booked. I've got a new song coming out called Voice Over Violence, working on it in the studio right now with the producer Ricky Rebel. It's called Voice Over Violence Joy Villa, featuring Ricky Rebel, about the situation. And then, of course, I have my book. And I started writing this book because my experiences are so unique. There's nobody out there doing the damn thing like me. And that's why I encourage others. The book is, is yes, to introduce you to who I am and what I'm about, why I do the things I do, my journey walking away from the left and being a liberal feminist, but also to encourage other conservatives, young millennials, black, Latinos, uh, you know, maybe just question mark voters who just want to find out more information. And I'm not trying to sway you either way, but this book will be a guide. You can read it, you can turn to any chapter and read a cool story and get some, you know, uh, some sort of self-help feeling on how to be a better, bolder, sexier conservative. I'm not releasing the title yet until it's done, but you're going to get an advanced copy because I want a quote from you, Jesse. Oh, oh, you know you can count on that. I'm always game to have my name in somebody else's hard work. I'll just take all the credit for it once it sells out. <laughs> now, I have this suspicion. You know Donald Trump. I know you do. Um, I have the suspicion that accusations of racism genuinely bother him. I've, I, I think that people who accuse him of that genuinely do not know the man's history or his values at all. And I think it bothers him a lot when he's accused of that. Am I right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Just as it would bother any sane individual who wants to fight for freedom and against the insanity that's out there. You know, the term racist has been slung around a lot from people who don't understand. This man is um, allocated over a billion dollars toward the Urban Revitalization Act, which helps lower income neighborhoods, which are predominantly uh, filled with black and brown people. He's allocated more funds toward the historical colleges, historical uh, colleges and universities, black colleges and universities than Obama did. Um, he has fought for the uh, First Step Act, which is the actual real first criminal justice reform plan that has been out there. And Republicans and Democrats have talked their ears off, you know, talked our ears off about this, told us, you know, that they're going to help prison reform, but no one's done anything. And this is a bipartisan issue. You know, the Van Jones of CNN, a black gentleman that I respect his viewpoint, even though we may disagree, he even came out and said, Republicans are doing what, what the Democrats should have been doing. So this is a man who is, you know, fearlessly and unabashedly in support of black Americans' education and living situations. I don't know how much more he can do. Also, he has a lot of black Americans who, and, and Hispanic Americans who work in the White House. I know them personally. I get to see them a couple times a year. I'm very blessed. And this is a man who, before he became president, was her, was like, you know, it was a victory speech. You know, they want to be like Donald Trump. Every rapper, every baller out there wanted to be rich like Donald Trump, wanted to roll with the celebrities and have gold toilets and, you know, drive a Lamborghini and live in those towers in New York. Everyone wanted to be like him because he was a badass. And he fought for equality on his building sites. He has, you know, been known to when he built the ice skating rink in New York. I'm from New York. That was a big deal. He did that for everyone. It wasn't just for white kids. It was for everyone. And uh, he donated his own money to make sure that that ice skating rink was available for the community. And he made sure that the, his the building sites hired people of all colors. You know, it, it's that's, that's the ridiculous thing. He wasn't a racist until he ran for president. That's mainstream media lies for you. Joy Villa, be on the lookout for her book coming up. She likes to come on my show and rub her high-profile life knowing the president in our faces. Thank you, Joy. I appreciate you. <laughs> Thanks, Jesse. Don't be jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. Thanks, Joy. All right. We got more. I love a great television commercial. This one is old. It's from 2009, but we don't worry about presenting real modern content for you on this show. If we find funny stuff you haven't seen before, I'm showing it to you, and I had tears coming down my face. Sit back and enjoy this very much real mobile home commercial. Hi, I'm Robert Lee. I own Coleman Liquidation. I sell mobile homes. I'm not gonna waste your time. I'm gonna tell it just like it is. These are mobile homes, not mansions. They come in two pieces. If that's what you're looking for, that's what I got. They're used. Some of them have stains. We cover that up. She decorates them. She sells them. These guys help me move them. <laughs> a bouncer in Birmingham hit me in the face with a crescent wrench five times. And my wife's boyfriend broke my jaw with a fence post. So if you don't buy a trailer from me, <laughs> it ain't gonna hurt my feelings. Wow. 
So come on down to Coleman Liquidation and get yourself a home. Or don't. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, they have stains. We cover those up. <laughs> All right. We're going to be back and do this one more time tomorrow. I'll see you then. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever, ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one, get two, be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com, promo code JESSE. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.